0: extends beyond just open access publishing to include a wide range of activities from basic biological research to clinical practice. The premise of open science is that research will progress faster if data and knowledge are openly shared with the caveat of proper safety measures and ethical frameworks. This has been most evident during the current COVID-19 global pandemic. But despite significant progress, Open science principles and practices still need to be more formally embedded within clinical research institutions and organisations. Welcome to Pfizer's podcast series celebrating this year's International Open Access Week. I'm Martin Delahunty and I will be your host. Throughout this week, I will be interviewing experts working within clinical and medical disciplines who will share their perspectives on the impact and the benefit of open science for both patients and key stakeholders. As my guest today, I am honoured to have Dr. Guy Rouleau, Director at the Neuro, McGill's Montreal Neurological Institute Hospital, and the co-founder of the Tannenbaum Open Science Institute. In 2020, Dr. Rouleau was recognised with Canada's highest civilian honour, the Order of Canada, for his outstanding contributions as a clinician scientist and as a leader in healthcare. He also received the Gardner Award for his work on open science. A warm welcome, Dr. Rouleau, to the program. Thank you. In 2016, the Montreal Neurological Institute adopted an open science policy enacted by the Tannenbaum Open Science Institute. What was the original aim of this new policy?
1: Well, the aim was basically to accelerate discovery by freely sharing information, so data of different kinds, Uh, reagents, whether they be antibodies, cell lines, transgenic animals, uh, basically reducing the barriers to collaboration. And uh, we wanted also to serve as an example of an institution, an institution that embraces open science principles. Uh, In fact, we were the first institution in the world to embrace open science. And we also wanted to show that open science uh, can be impactful.
0: Very good. When when we chatted previously, you expressed a particular frustration with the pace of progress in neurology compared with cardiology and oncology. Why has that been the case?
1: Well, I think the uh, quality of the people working in neuroscience and neurology is very high and there's great work being done. Uh, but the problem is the complexity of the brain uh, and uh, the difficulties in studying the brain. One can't get brain biopsies because, well, for obvious reasons, uh, one uh, can has difficulty imaging the brain because it's all in a in a small box uh, surrounded by bone, and it is uh, very complex from the point of view of uh, of the number of cells. We don't know how many kinds of cells there are in the brain. Probably over a thousand. So it's just a very complicated uh, piece of uh, of uh, anatomy, as opposed to in cardiology. I mean, the heart's super important and I'm not going to say it's simple and involves the blood vessels, but we're we're dealing with at most a dozen different kinds of cells. And the amount of information we have and, and our understanding of the cardiovascular system is far greater than our understanding of the nervous system. So when you want to find treatments, well, you know, you have a lot of information and you can base treatments on on, on a real understanding of what's going on. And in in Oncology, and so they've done great strides in cardiology, and thank God, uh, so the mortality from cardiology, I think, from heart disease, and and blood vessel disease, is decreasing. The uh, in oncology also, it's a very complicated. Every cancer is different, but uh, we are understanding more and more the biology of cancer. You can get biopsies, you can sequence the tumors and such, and there are more and more. cancers that are either treatable or even curable i mean there's still a lot to do but uh, in fact if you look at uh, the pace of discovery uh, in cardiology and in uh, oncology it's far more rapid from the point of view of development of treatments than in, in neurology and i think it's just a problem the brain's just really complicated
0: thank you for that insight um you have dedicated your life to improve diagnosis and treatment of neurological diseases and disorders. Can you see an impact already because of these new open science policies and practices?
1: Well, if if one thinks of having found new treatments, uh, uh, that has not occurred yet, unfortunately. But we have seen more discoveries because of open. I give an example of one of my young scientists that I recruited here when he did his PhD he had uh, three papers and that was his PhD thesis, but he put all his data on the web. And there have been seven additional papers that uh, were based on his data, meaning that his, his, he, he produced three papers and his data allowed seven other papers. So seven discoveries more than his three. So 10 discoveries versus three using the same data. So that's a, a multiplication of discovery. Another example are the genetics consortiums that are looking at complex diseases, uh, psychiatric diseases or neurological diseases. Uh, and there we have open sharing of, of, of huge amounts of data that are allowing, uh, allowing uh, discoveries to be made. So I think discoveries have been accelerated by open science. Uh, we've not found new treatments yet. The other thing is we're seeing with time a change of culture uh, in science. So the culture of open is increasing. And I think that as uh, this culture becomes more generalized, I think that we will see even more acceleration.
0: Very good. Thank you. Looking back over the past five years experience with the Open Science Institute, what lessons have been learned?
1: Well, I think we we learned a lot of things, uh, and uh, many of them were to show that uh, the fears and anxieties that were put forth by people who were uh, worried about uh, the, an- the impact of open, I think most of them have been debunked. And in fact, what we found is most scientists want open, especially the young. And uh, in fact, when we started this, it was predicted that the young scientists would be very anti-open because they would be worried about being scooped early in their career but in fact what we've found is the exact opposite uh, young scientists believe in open and uh, we've had some remarkable uh, remarkable people who were recruited to the neural uh, who came because we're open and uh, so it's, it was an attraction not a not a deterrent and uh, the other thing we were told, you know, that we would have less collaboration that people would would not want to collaborate with us uh, or an industry wouldn't want to collaborate with us. well. In fact, we have more collaborations than we ever had and more industry collaborations than we ever had before. We were told ethics would be uh, a problem and that, you know, patients wouldn't want to do this and so on and so forth. We found the opposite. I mean, ethics was a challenge for sure. Uh, but uh, you know, we developed an ethics framework and uh, it is uh, very robust and uh, you know approved by ethics committees, uh, many ethics committees and in different institutions. And we found that the patients want to participate and the patients want open, and they are strong proponents of open science. And so um, ethics was not an issue, and patients were very, very strong advocates of open. The other thing we were told that, you know, perhaps uh, there would be uh, donors would be less interested because there's a lot of sort of uh, uh, what they call venture philanthropy and stuff. Uh, we've we've more than doubled the donations coming to the neuro donors love open and the disease associations love open as well. And uh, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, uh, the ALS Association wants to find cures for ALS. Uh, so they want everything open so that it goes faster. and. Um, Our example is working. Uh, There are more and more institutions who are coming on board. I mean, we're still the only one, but there's going to be an announcement in a few weeks of a second one. And then there's a third institution that's going to become uh, going to adopt open principles maybe before the new year.
0: That's fantastic. And what do you think pharmaceutical companies can do to better support open science principles and practice?
1: Well, I think pharma are very, very, very important for open because we're told all the time that pharma our industry is going to be against it. All the people who want to block open are all people who want, who believe that we have to patent everything, protect everything uh, because it could have value. I think the pharma industry needs to say that they want open and why they want open. And my, my understanding is that they want open because they want to have discoveries and they want to know what are the right ways to develop treatments. So, I mean, pharma needs to be upfront and be part of the, the, the groups that are convincing others. And in fact, there's nothing more convincing than industry uh, wanting to do open. And the other thing that they could do is it could help to define the boundaries between open and closed. I mean, we believe in open science, but you know, of course, there are things that need to be done uh, in a closed manner. You know, if you're developing a molecule or you're so on and so forth, so that's all fine. But they need to define, you know, what's the boundary, and I and I think that there's a lot of confusion in in, in that. And and I would just say that there are some pharma who are very uh, very pro open, and they're saying they're pro open, but we need even more uh, more Buy-in or 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 statements uh, from pharma.
0: Thank you, and just just one final question, which is based on the tremendous work you've done already. What are the next steps for the Tannenbaum Open Science Institute?
1: Yeah, so uh, there are many different next steps. I mean, one is uh, one of the barriers to open is uh, how you measure the performance of scientists, okay? So uh, for promotion and so on and so forth. And so uh, we are experimenting with new measures that will be integrated into the uh, promotions committee of uh, here at McGill at, the, at uh, in neurology, neurosurgery and in psychiatry. So we want to test out new measures of performance to see if that can help. And uh, we're also... Want to continue to spread the word and convince other institutions uh, to be open, and that we want to build kind of a consortium, the Tannenbaum Open Science Institute consortium of open institutions. And what we found is that other institutions often have other ideas and you know good ideas. And so I think the more institutions embrace, the richer the 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 environment will be and and the information will be. The other thing is we want to become more open uh, from a practical standpoint. You know, when we say we declare ourselves, you know, we adopt these open science principles, it doesn't mean that everything is in place to share all the, you know, microscopy data and the molecular biology data and, and such. So there's some data which is already made available and is, uh, is, 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 is is openly available. But in fact, we still have work to do to make all the things that we do open. The other thing is we want to harness the uh, energy and ideas of young scientists. So we have what we call the grassroots committee. I think the young people have a lot of, uh, I mean, they've grew, grew up more in the open. You mentioned at the beginning, you know, the advent of the internet. I think the internet is uh, is uh, trans- transformative in many, many things and also transformative in science by enabling open. But the, the young people have a lot of ideas and, uh, and we're, we're we're encouraging them to come up with ideas and we want to get these ideas uh, to be uh, become reality and i guess the last thing uh is we want to make our our cbig which is the clinical biological imaging genetic repository which is kind of a, a a souped up biobank and our eddu the early drug discovery unit uh shining successes i think they're both doing extremely well uh but uh you know i think we we want to show that it that that it works that they work and and it works
0: what an inspiring sign off to our conversation thank you so much dr Rulo, for joining me today i wish that we had more time your open science work and international leadership has been truly inspiring and i wish you and the tannenbaum open science institute continued success this podcast series is funded by pfizer i'm martin delahunty and thank you for listening Join us again for the next International Open Access Week podcast.